The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm very excited for today's episode with Demona. Demona has been on the podcast before, but it was during COVID. So it was virtually via Zoom and we finally got to do it in person. I just feel like the in-person episodes are so much better than the virtual because you really get to interact. You get to see their face, look in their eyes. Um, and I really think that you're going to love Demona. She's a dating coach and she is the go-to like love guru for Drew Barrymore's talk show. So you might have seen her on TV before and she's just a lovely human. But before we get into Demona, I'm going to answer a few of your questions. I'm going to give you a little roundup of what's been going on recently and then we'll get into it. So there's this thing that you do to prepare to give birth vaginally, if that's what you're going to do or plan to do. You know, you never know. You can't really plan these things. And it's called a perennial massage. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this right. It could be perennial, perennial, whatever. But it's basically like expanding Sorry, men listening, but like expanding your vagina so that you don't tear as badly because everyone pretty much tears um, when you give birth. And, you know, it's it's hard to reach your own vagina when you're really pregnant. And so in an ideal situation, your husband does this massage for you and I, our doula was like, you know, she warned us against it. She was like, don't do this together. She was like, it's not sexy. It's not going to be fun, whatever. And obviously the second she left, I'm like, come over here. We're doing this massage. Like I'm not doing it by myself. I can't reach down there. I have no idea what I can't even see. I haven't seen my vagina in like six plus months. I, I have no idea what's happening. And so poor Steven has been giving me this massage. It's not fun. It's not sexy. It's kind of painful. And I don't even know the point of me telling you this. Like it was on my list of things to talk about for some reason. I just, it's just like, it's, it's so, um, it's something to look forward to totally. Um, no, I feel, I feel really bad that he's doing this. And there was a point to me saying that, but of course, now I have forgotten it. So I'm going to move on to an actual kind of funny story. So we were hanging out with these little kids recently. And, you know, when you're going to have a kid soon, after you hang out with kids, you talk about like, oh, this is what, you know, I love that this kid had knowledge about this. And I want our kid to be able to speak on this or I, this kid threw a tantrum. Like, I hope our kid doesn't throw that kind of tantrum, whatever it is. Right. And Steven was talking about this kid that we hung out with who was like a little slow in terms of his development. And he was like, I just feel like, you know, he's this age. He should be like there by now. And I'm like listening to him. And at first I'm like, totally. Yeah, no, he should be more developed. Totally. And then I was like, wait a second. I have to tell him the truth. I was like, I was legit a moron until I was like 19. Like I was really dumb growing up. Like, so I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but our kid might be really dumb for a long time. And like, that's okay. Like he will figure it out. But I was like, I need to stop you right here and let you know that if our kid is dumb, like that's okay. 
he'll figure it out eventually. But like, I don't want you to be concerned about his development. An example of that, I was like, when I was, I think I was like in first or second grade and I, we had learned about dinosaurs and I kid you not, I said, I like, I raised my hand or I said to the teacher, like, I don't believe in dinosaurs because if they really existed, we would have photos of them. Like that is genuinely what I thought. Like I was like, fossils are bullshit. We would have real photos of them. Obviously we can't have photos of dinosaurs. There were no cameras then. But you know what? Some people are slower than others and that's okay. I figured it out eventually, you know, but there was definitely a lot of time at Spence where I was laughed at and made fun of for being really dumb. And that's okay. It's okay. We figured it out eventually. We're still not the smartest in the world, but we figured it out. Anyway, to your questions, which are more interesting than hearing about the unfortunate massage that Stephen has to give me and how dinosaurs aren't real. Somebody had asked, my boyfriend of one year lied to me about porn for four months because of shame from being a porn addict in the past. I can't get over the fact that he lied to me. This is a tough one because obviously it sucks to have been lied to and lying is never okay. However, a lot of women, and especially when it comes to the topic of porn, will make it known that something disgusts them or is a deal breaker for them or is off limits for them without really knowing if it's one, possible for that guy to like give that thing up or two, if that's like something that really matters to them. And I know that like Steven's been in a relationship before where the girl was like, no porn, you know, and like it, he just did it anyway and didn't tell her. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's okay to lie to someone, but you have to create an environment of openness with your partner. And if you really don't like porn, especially if it's like, you know, if it's because of an addiction in the past, like I think the environment that you create is like, hey, listen, like I know you struggle with this. Like if you, you know, relapse, if you feel like, you're having like a moment, just tell me and like, we'll get through it together and it'll be okay. But if you create the environment of like, if I find out you watch porn again, like I am done, this is over. Then not only are they not going to tell you when they watch porn, but they're going to want to watch it more because they feel like something's off limits and people test limits. So I would just try to create that environment and have that open dialogue and not be afraid to you know, create the space to have that conversation without someone getting in trouble. Someone asked how to not feel guilty saying no to bachelorette party or wedding things that are so expensive. Less is more in this situation to write one of those long ass essays. That's like, Hey, uh, you know, I really want to be there for you, but I just have this and I have that. Like no bride wants to read that. Of course, they're going to be upset regardless if you can't come. And that has nothing to do with them hating you. They're just they want you there. The best thing that you can say and do is just be like, oh, I'm so sad. I really can't swing it right now. Like I'm going to be there in spirit and I can't wait to celebrate you at the wedding. Or if you can't go to the wedding, I can't wait to like I would love to take you out to dinner. And if it's a bachelorette thing, like, for example, I'm not going to be able to go to a friend's bachelorette coming up because I can't travel. 
and I love this friend and I want to celebrate her. So I already texted someone else that's going to be out on The Bachelorette. And I was like, hey, I'd love to sound like, send like a round of shots um, for, you know, the bride. And she was like, oh, my God, of course, like I'll Venmo you the cost. Like we'll say it's from you. Like just a little thing. And it doesn't have to be a round of shots. It can be like, I want to, you know, surprise her with like flowers or whatever's in within your budget. It doesn't have to be something so crazy, but just if the friendship is important to you, continuing to show them that like they matter to you, even though you can't show up for them in the big grand gesture type of way of going on their bachelorette or, you know, going and taking a flight to their wedding, whatever it is. Okay. Someone mentioned this subject and I'm not going to get into it too much because our next episode, we literally talk about this, but they said best child order pairings. Like for example, the youngest dating the oldest. I will say the youngest dating the oldest is the best pairing. There's also oldest and oldest dating. Youngest and youngest doesn't work in my opinion. However, you're going to hear more about that in depth on the next episode. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a good one. Okay. This person said, would you say I love you first if it had been six plus months? And what do you think I'm going to say? Absolutely not. Because in my mind, like, not that it's a game, but then I would lose. And it's less about the fact that I'm trying to play any sort of game. And it's more about the fact that I want to know that it's genuine and that they said it because they feel it, not because they're saying it back to me. And I know guys and I know so many guy friends or friends of Steven's who the girl has said, I love you first. And they have said it back only because they felt bad. They didn't want to let her down and they didn't genuinely feel it. And then you're in this relationship and it's not actually genuine. So no, I would not say it first. I think it's really important that the guy says it first. And of course there are exceptions and someone's going to DM me and be like, I've been married for seven years. I said, I love you first. I said this first. I said that first. That's great. But for me, that's not an option. Um, I need them to say it first. Like I could hint at it in different ways. I could lead them to water, but they are saying it. 100% has to be them. Anyway, I'm really excited for you to hear Demona. So I'm not going to keep you much longer, but um, I hope you enjoy the conversation. And if you do and you want to write a review for the podcast, that would make me so happy. And what else can I say? Um, grateful that you're listening and hope you enjoy. I have not really talked about this on here because it literally gives me PTSD to this day, but I was really badly scammed by someone pretending to be my bank. And it happened like a year ago and it was really just horrifying to go through and so I cannot express to you how grateful I am for our next podcast partner. If you haven't heard of Delete Me, what they do is they find and remove any personal information that you don't want online and they make sure that it stays off. It's a subscription service that removes your personal info from the largest people search databases on the web. In the process, it helps prevent you from potentially getting ID theft, doxing, and these phishing scams that I was a victim of. It's really scary how much our personal information is 
everywhere on the internet and we're such easy targets, but we really can protect ourselves and get peace of mind with Delete Me. Ever since I started using it, I just feel so much safer and it's not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information that you don't want on the internet. Delete Me sends you regular personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. To put it simply, Delete Me does all the hard work of wiping you and your family's personal info off of the web. Data brokers hate Delete Me because when you sign up, they immediately go to work scrubbing all your personal info from data broker platforms and your personal profile is no longer theirs to sell. So take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, you can get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash Acme and use promo code ACME at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash ACME and enter code ACME at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash ACME, code ACME. Good luck out there. It's time to get real about sex. I'm your host, Carter Cruz, ex-porn star, DJ, and professional party girl. And this is X-Virgin, the podcast. Get ready for wild conversations with porn stars, kink enthusiasts, and listeners. Basically, anyone who isn't afraid to bear it all. There are no limits. This show is all about owning your sexuality and taking it there. So have an open mind and get ready to join the madness. Listen to a new episode of X-Virgin every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be back with Demona Hoffman. Hi. Hey, Lindsay. How's it going? <laughs> it's going so good. I'm so happy to see you in person the I'm last time we did this. So happy to see you in person. Yeah. I, it's so funny because I forget sometimes when I've only met someone on Zoom and I just feel like I know them, but like this is really our first time meeting. I love I that. I know. Plus your fabulous Instagram life. It feels like I'm right there with you. <laughs> I love it. So before we get into all of the things that we're going to get into, what is your favorite romantic gesture? Mm, doing the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I it, it sounds like a joke. Honestly, it, it, it is like a setup of a joke. But studies have shown that men who help with housework and do the dishes actually get laid more. So I feel sexier and more relaxed when I have support and when dishes are out of the sink. So that's my I'm answer. with you. I so my husband doesn't cook. I'm curious if yours does. Oh, yeah, he does. He does. Because I don't. Somebody I mean, we yeah. have to eat somehow. Uh huh. So he doesn't cook. Well, he doesn't really cook. He makes like a steak and eggs, not at the same time. So we have a rule that if I'm going to cook, which, by the way, I don't think I've cooked once in my pregnancy, but used to, then he has to do the dishes. Oh, and, that's a good rule. And it's but it's not like intense of a rule. It's just a known thing. It's like, if I'm doing this, you're doing this. And it's not tit for tat. Like, we're not counting, you know, but it's really nice because I just know that the dishes will be done. So I agree with you. It's good to have agreements Mm -hmm. in a relationship and just an understanding. And especially as you're about to have a baby, I have two myself. And there's just so much coordination that goes on in the later phases of a relationship. I know you and I focus a lot on our podcast with the early phases of dating and like getting into a relationship, but that's like just the beginning. <laughs> then totally. Then there's the whole rest of your life 
to so much to coordinate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I definitely asked you this the first time we recorded, but for anyone hearing you for the first time, I know your relationship status because I just said it. You're married with kids. You're going to ask me my age again, Lindsay. No, I swear. <laughs> I actually I remember that from last week. I wasn't. <laughs> I was going to ask you how you and your husband met. We met online back in the olden times on a dating site, not even that. an app. Mm-hmm. So for those who are hearing this for the first time, I used to be a casting director and I would teach classes for actors in marketing and I would help them choose headshots that really told their story. And I was online dating at the time and started to realize the similarities between a headshot and a dating profile photo. And we all know a first date is an audition. So once I applied what I had learned professionally to my dating experience, I met my husband. And then people were like, hey, you met a great guy online. Online dating doesn't work. Online dating is for nerds. Online dating. This is like, you know, before the dating app world. And um, I just started initially writing profiles for friends and family. And then it just grew from there. And now I've been doing this like 17 years. I love that. And remind me your birthday. Oh, yes. November 27th. Oh, happy belated. Sagittarius. Thank you. We're in Sag season. I'm a Libra. Libra. But I love a Sag. What's your husband? Okay, he's a Virgo. Oh. Yeah. And it's it's an interesting thing because on paper, people are like, I don't know, Sag and Virgo. You know what? I don't believe in the compatibility thing at all. No? No. It's the rest of your chart. Yeah. Like there's so much in there. Totally. Totally. Like he is, Virgo is my north node. So he's my astrologers tell me he's Uh my destiny he is your destiny i love that i wonder what my north node is i should know we gotta do this chart (laughs) we i gotta redo this so let's talk about this book you just wrote this book it's called f the fairy tale why f the fairy tale okay so we'll start with that like why the vibe of we can't get this fairy tale that we're that we're searching for it's not that you can't get this fairy tale it's that you need to tell a different story And I say F the fairy tale because I, you know, this from us talking before, I'm a very non-traditional dating coach, always have been. And having navigated people through the process of finding love online and off, but predominantly online, I feel like everything has shifted. And yet we're playing by an old rule book and we're like even trying to complete a story that doesn't really fit for the life that we're living now. So I just want people to say F the fairy tale, meaning F what other people want for your love life. And then the subtitle is rewrite the dating myths and live your own love story. It's if you let go of somebody else's ideal, you give yourself the space to create what you actually want and what's actually going to make you happy. I like that. And it's hard, I feel like, to be in tune with you want and like drown out the noise. I feel like so many times when I was dating before meeting my husband, something would happen and I like wouldn't care that it happened. And then I would tell a friend and they'd be like, oh no, you should be really upset. Yeah. Like, you should be really mad. And so it's either like that or the opposite where I was like, oh, he did this like little thing for me. It was nothing. And then a friend was like, that's a huge deal. You know, and it's just like it's so hard to drown out people's opinions mm-hmm. when you're in the dating process. Yeah, especially with social media, especially the way that dating has really become a spectator sport. Like, you know, you show your matches to your friends, you screenshot them, you put them up on Instagram and get feedback. And I think 
ultimately, much of that is to our own detriment. And having other people's opinions in your dating life, they're only helpful to a point, but so much of it and so much of what I put into F the Fairy Tale, it begins with the mindset of just how are you approaching dating? What are your predominant thoughts about dating? I, I was just taping an episode of Drew and the person I was talking to off camera, she was like, oh, but dating is so hard. Dating apps are so hard. And if you keep repeating that, that is what you will see. And mm. your actions will align with your thoughts and your actions will create your reality. And your reality will be the thing that you have to walk through every day, believing and seeing that dating is so difficult. And I find that I've been doing this for so long, Lindsay. And I find that as soon as people really click into what they actually want, they get the confidence to share that. Then they align their actions in that way. And they know, they know what they want in a relationship. They know what they have to offer in a relationship. It's amazing how quickly it can come together, but you have to get those other voices and even your own negative thoughts out of the way. Yeah. Your own negative thoughts part is so crucial because like, I have so many friends who will be like, why me? Like, why am I still single? Like, And just saying that in itself is making it come true. It's like, oh, woe is me. It's it's me. I'm it's like I'm the victim as opposed to being like, I'm so of course it's hard to do. Of course, like if you're in it, you're rolling your eyes. But it's like Mm. instead of being like, how cool that I'm single right now. Like, I have no idea where my life is going to end up. I have no idea who I'm going to end up with. Like, how exciting is that? Yeah. And I know that's hard to do. Like I say in the book that I was originally a love cynic and I did not think it was going to happen for myself. Like I remember Valentine's Day sitting at home. My roommate always had a date. I like never had a date and she get picked up with like the chocolates and the flowers. And I would say that like, why me? Why not me? And I feel like all of that time that I spent single, it did inform what I wanted and informed who I was. And then ultimately I started working with a coach and I did a lot of the deep work to figure out what do I want and like, what makes me dateable? Like you got to date yourself. I know it sounds kind of corny, but I really did that process with my coach and I would take myself out on dates. I used to see people out you know, dining by themselves and being like, oh, that's so sad. They're so sad they're by themselves. Now I like crave that time, but I had to make a practice of actually taking myself on dates, sitting there by myself, not feeling sorry for myself, feeling the confidence to know that I'm going to be okay. Whether a person comes and sits across from me at this table or not, I'm okay right now. And I'm great. I'm great right now as I am. Exactly. It's like loving your life as if you will never meet this person, like being okay with how things are so that this person is like an add on, not a completion of who you are. And it's so interesting that you said that about eating alone, because we were at a restaurant last night, my husband and I, and there was a woman alone at the bar and she was having dinner and she was like thriving. Like she was, and it was so interesting to watch because first of all, the restaurant was so sweet in that like, there was not a moment she was alone. There was always a waiter conversing Mm -hmm. with her, like the bartender shooting the shit with her. I thought it was so nice. And it just, it makes me think about all the people who are so scared to do something alone. But once you do, you're like, 
really looked after by everyone else. You know what I mean? Mm, I like that you say that. And I, I love that story. It demonstrates also how much control we have over our own experience. And I feel like I also hear today from so many people that are frustrated with the dating apps or burned out. And they're like, it's the only way. It's the only way to meet someone. And the reality is the majority of the clients that I have coached over the 17 years I've been doing this have met their partner online in some capacity, whether it's on a dating app or social media or an online community. And we can talk about the whole ecosystem of online dating later. But the majority of them have met online, but we forget you still are moving through your life. And if you if you look up from your phone and you focus on just making a connection, like surely that woman was not going to the restaurant like, I'm going to talk to every single person and I'm going to find my husband. She's just living her life, but connecting with other humans. And you just never know, like maybe maybe your person is the waiter or maybe the waiter knows somebody and then she goes back the next time and their friends there. Like, we don't know. Like you said, that possibility to me is so exciting and I just try to help people create more room for the those possibilities to occur. I love that. And just like also adding to that specific story, she wasn't on her phone at all. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't see her phone once. And yeah. maybe she had come intending to be on her phone, but then like struck up a conversation and like felt weird just sitting there on her phone. And it's like, if you're going to go out, if you're going to put yourself out there literally and physically, don't bring the phone into it. Like really look around. Well, I also like to like gamify it because it can feel really awkward. I know it it was so uncomfortable when I started that practice. Mm -hmm. And the more that I did it, the easier it became. But if you give yourself a challenge of like, I'm not going to take out my phone or sometimes I'll give clients a challenge when they're going to a new event and they maybe don't know anybody and they're looking to meet, just give yourself a challenge of, one step from where you are right now. So maybe it's, I'm going to talk to three people I don't know. Or maybe it's, I'm going to like ask someone for their number or their Instagram or whatever it is that will push you a little bit beyond, I don't even want to say comfort zone because it's, I know it's already uncomfortable, but push yourself beyond what you would do naturally, like without the challenge. And sometimes it's just in that little stretch action that something magical occurs. I love that. And it's it sounds cheesy because it's like, do something every week that scares you. Or you know yeah, how people yeah. say that. But if you actually did that, like it would be so great in a relationship, married, single, whatever. Yeah. Like if I right now was like, oh shit, I haven't done something that scares me this week. And then I was like, when I leave, I'm gonna, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is, like that would make me feel really good. Like just mm. because I would be leaving my comfort zone. So yeah, I do feel like there's something really special in doing all of those practices. Listen up, if you're doing dry January or you just want another option that's delicious and not to get too effed up when you're on a date or hanging with friends at a party, Gia is the non-alcoholic aperitif brand for you. It's inspired by the Mediterranean, made with the purest ingredients, no alcohol, no artificial flavors. It's low sugar with no added sugar or sugar alternatives, and it's vegan. So it really satisfies every kind of person and every kind of diet. 
They newly released my personal favorite flavor, the Berry Aperitif. It's their first non-bitter flavor. So it's like bold, juicy, and tart. You can spritz it for a dry, sparkling pairing with your favorite food or pour over ice for a sweet nightcap. I personally need something bubbly if I'm eating specific foods like pizza or fast food or Chinese food or whatever it might be. So I love having Gia in my fridge. They have Gia soda, lime and salt, ginger, sumac and chili. There's something for everyone. So don't worry. You'll find the Gia for you. Visit drinkgia.com and use code ACME at checkout for 20% off of your first purchase. That's D-R-I-N-K-G-H-I-A.com and use code ACME for 20% off your first purchase. Check it out. And it's always a good idea to have your fridge stocked with Gia because people are always so happy when they walk in and I offer them one. They're like, oh my God, it's the best. So go to drinkgia.com and use code ACME. So you've been a dating coach for a long time. You are now also on the Drew Barrymore show sometimes helping giving her some dating advice, giving people that she brings on some great dating advice. And you have this book and you also have a podcast, Dates and Mates, which I've been lucky enough to be a guest on. (laughs) Throughout all of these things, I'm sure you've learned so much yourself too, like not only just educating others, but have learned. And one of your episodes that I recently checked out was on argument styles with Dr. Orna Karalnik from Couples Therapy. She's like the goat. Totally. The therapy goat. <laughs> totally. And I wanted to ask like what your biggest takeaway was from that episode and kind of like if you know your own partner's argument style, if it. Yeah. Well, first of all, Dr. Orna, I, like I, there are a lot of people that I look to for how they are helping others. And I take little pieces of everything that I've learned over the last 17 years. And I fold that in because we never know what tool is going to be helpful for someone. I just have to say, couples therapy is a masterclass. I actually watch it with my husband and we use it as conversation starters of like, let's talk about hard things. Like this thing happened. How would, how would you have reacted Mm -hmm. if we said this or like, you know, just getting us into a deeper conversation. So I don't want to take any credit for Dr. Orna's work, but so much of it is listening. And sometimes we feel like we need to talk more to be understood. But when you listen for understanding, it completely changes the the way that you're communicating. And it gets to a more results-oriented kind of communication or conflict resolution style. But overall, like I just I'm fortunately for me, I married the most pragmatic and practical and level headed. I was going to say that Virgo vibe is just so like even keeled. Yeah. So part of it is like he's certainly better at that than I am. And he models that for me. But like that's the thing with relationships. I, I say in the book that relationships really are a mirror. They will illuminate your biggest strengths and also identify your greatest weaknesses and things that you can work on to be the best human you can be. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think about? Uh, 
I don't know. I mean, so my resolution, I have a similar situation in my relationship where he is definitely the more like level headed, practical, pragmatic. I think that my argument style, at least like before I started dating him and before I started therapy is like yelling and screaming and and actually just yesterday I started up with him. I don't like I'm I'm going to blame being pregnant, but which I feel like I can. Right. Totally. Okay. Because I have not cursed at him once in our in my whole pregnancy, which I feel like is crazy. Right. Like that's I should get like a medal. I will give you a medal. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. And last night I was just like not having it. We were ordering and there was like a trout row in one of the dishes and I have been really good with not eating sushi, with not eating things that like are controversial during pregnancy. But I was like, it's a couple balls of trout roe. Like I'm not like I'm going to eat it, you know? It's okay. And he was like having an opinion on it. Like he was like, no, like we're so close. Like, you know, why? Like, why would you eat that now? And I was I lost it. I was like, I think I was like, like, I obviously didn't say it out loud because we were at a restaurant. But I think I mouthed to him, like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) And how did he react? He doesn't like he doesn't react like probably one of my exes would have. Like, he's Mm -hmm. just like, hey, like, that was really hurtful. (laughs) (laughs) Like, was that necessary? And I'm like, and like in the moment, I'm still like not cooled off, of course. And then like. You know, we get like the next course and I'm like, I'm sorry. I just like really want like we're here. Like we're at this nice restaurant. Like I'm getting I want to get the trout roll. Like I just don't think it's a big deal. And he's like, okay, that's fine. Like I was just almost there. (laughs) Totally. I'm like, this baby is cooked. Like it's enough. (laughs) But that's like not okay. And that's an example of how I can sometimes like take it too far Mm -hmm. in an argument or like do something bad. So my yeah. So his argument style is like to not react really or like to just not Mm -hmm. lose his cool so that it is a mirror in a way and so that I see like oh I'm I'm just you know you're just over here bouncing off myself hollering Uh carrying on totally I have to say the biggest fight and maybe actually the only fight that I remember really having with my husband is when I was pregnant Mm -hmm. and I was we were going to a wedding and he took I was driving. This is the crazy part. I was driving and I asked him, which route do you think I should take? I should have just GPSed it. I don't know. Maybe this was like before we really did. I don't know. Mm -hmm. He tells me, oh, take the freeway. And so I was like, okay, I take the freeway and it's a parking lot and we're running late and I'm carrying on and carrying on. I was just like, why did you make me go this way? Uh I was just so pregnant. It was so crazy. And finally he just snapped and was just like, <laughs> stop. We are like, we're already here. Yeah. This is, it is what it is. We missed the ceremony. We oh, got there no. for the reception, uh-huh. but we were like really late. Yeah. And then we get back to the car and we have a flat tire. No. Yes. We had a flat oh tire. My God. And then he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to call. I'm going to, I no. he said, I'm going to take off my jacket and fix a flat. And I was like, please, you do not have to prove anything. Let's just call AAA because that was just like at the end of an already difficult night. And from that experience, I learned one, I need to, because he can be very quiet. And it's mm-hmm. like, this is where knowing your partner style. Yeah. So he, his tendency is to shut down. So that whole time that I was like, and you told me to take this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like 
it his energy was ticking up mm-hmm. and I couldn't tell that. I couldn't read that from his body right, language. Right. So it got to the point where it was just like, Meh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then course. we were fine. And that's totally. the other thing. Like you have these disagreements with your partner and when you're with the right person, you're both committed to doing the best for the other person. You don't get to that point of things being a 10 that mm-hmm. often mm-hmm. because you deal with things when they're a one or a two or a three. Exactly. That's so true. And like, yeah. even after the fight, like last night we were like in bed and he like came over and wanted to cuddle with me. And I even had the thought, like, I can't believe he still wants to cuddle with me after I was such a psycho. And then I'm like, that's love. You know, that's, that's marriage. Yep. You're in it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Just the beginning. Just wait till we throw kids in there. We have officially been in this month for two weeks now, and it can be so stressful to see all of these milestones people are hitting and their January goals and their dry January and their this and their that and their workout challenges. And it's really hard not to feel bad about yourself and not to feel isolated and feel just shitty. And it's really normal to want to talk to someone about it and to want to do something about it because things happen to everyone. And it's all about how we react to it. And the best thing that we can do is get ahead of it or just, you know, prioritize ourself and our mental health. So don't wait. You can get a therapist through Talkspace that you really, really love. And therapy can help you shift your perspective, find tools to cope in difficult times, and really be a guiding light. And if you're like, I don't have time to do this, I'm telling you Talkspace makes it work for your schedule. They have made the help that you need easy, accessible, and affordable. And it is so convenient to talk to your therapist from your phone, from your home. You can send messages whenever you're having that thought instead of waiting and compiling a list or forgetting what you're going to say the next time. And as a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash Acme. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Acme to get $80 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash Acme. So you and I had talked about briefly before. So you are half Jewish and your husband is also half Jewish? Correct. Which which are the halves here? His mom is Jewish. My dad is Jewish. Okay. Yeah. Love that. And we're raising our kids Jewish. Okay. Love That's that. Well. And so if you're raising your kids Jewish, is would you say that you guys identify as 100% Jewish? You know what I'm saying? Or do you celebrate no, multiple? We are. Yeah, we're what it, my rabbi says, trans-denominational and tra- <laughs> we're like multi, multi-faith. We, and we have, my whole family is like mm-hmm. a melting pot. Like my sister-in-law is Indian American. My stepmother is Mexican American and also converted to Judaism. It's just like a whole, it's a whole cultural mix. And mm-hmm. I, I really feel like my family, like I learn about other cultures. I get access to different worlds. I feel like my life is richer because I have such a diverse cultural experience. And I have always told my clients that 
you have the opportunity when you're dating to also kind of peek into different worlds and to learn different things. So I try to encourage my clients first to get clear on what they want, but I do sometimes challenge them on what their sort of expectations about race, religion, culture, all of that. We sometimes can be very one dimensional and very rigid and sometimes not even know. Like I wrote this article feel like we might have talked about it the last time, but I wrote this article for the Washington Post a number of years ago, actually in 2020. If you remember June of 2020. <laughs> Never forgot. <laughs> busy time for a black and Jewish dating coach. But <laughs> back then I wrote an article to just ask people to examine their beliefs around race and dating, because I saw that a lot of people were hiding behind oh, it's just my preference. It's my preference. Whatever it is, whether it's like, oh, I've got to be with someone Jewish or I never dated anyone black or I would never date, you know, whatever it is, we sometimes don't examine those beliefs and we get really stuck in our own way, clinging to a particular idea around who we're supposed to be with. And something really interesting happens when you expand that and you just say, what if? And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to end up marrying that person or end up with them forever. But I really like dating for discovery. Yeah, I think that that's great. And in your relationship, which I guess you consider it interfaith and interracial, Mm -hmm. what would you say, if anything, that you notice the most about being in a relationship like that? Well, certain places in the world react differently to an interracial couple. I mean, still. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and the, the funny thing is, I realize the lens that I look through as a person of color is very different than the lens that my husband looks through. So there are even times where like we went somewhere in the South and nothing gets the South. I love the South, <laughs> but, <laughs> but different set of cultural beliefs and I felt very much like they were sending us messages that we shouldn't be together or sending me messages that I was not really welcome. And things like asking if we wanted separate beds, like saying, oh, sorry, your room only has one bed in it. And I when I checked in and I was like, yeah, I think we were engaged at the time. Like, this is my fiance. But what, why do I have to justify that? Right. Like, what You wouldn't even ask if if there were two white people standing there checking in, you wouldn't say, oh, do you do you need two beds? I don't know. Maybe it's a Southern thing. Y'all write in and let me know. But I felt very much like it was, oh, these two people couldn't or shouldn't be together or like asking us if we wanted separate checks or like it just seemed very overt to me. Mm-hmm. He was completely oblivious to the whole thing. Right. And at that time told me, Demona, this is all in your head. Like you're overreacting. Now, since that time and since 2020, he's been like, oh, I see now what you were talking about. And so those little microaggressions or little comments or looks or things that that as a person of color, I am always on the lookout for. He has to sort of train his eye to be able to see them now. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. And on like on the Jewish front with just like everything going on in the world right now, do you feel like you guys having that in common has unified you in whatever thoughts and feelings you're having at this moment? Ooh, well, I would say having that in common certainly has helped in raising kids and coming from an interfaith household. I now realize 
how unique that was that we didn't have to have that discussion about how are we going to do this. Mm -hmm. In light of everything that's been happening, I feel like it's hard to say if that has affected it because it's always been. But I do feel at least comforted that I have a partner that understands the challenges of the entirety of my identity mm -hmm. and I and I his. I will say that the longer we've been together, the more our beliefs have started to align. Mm -hmm. So there have been a lot of things that, you know, politically that I have changed my perspective on. And usually I change to his perspective because he's like so thoughtful when he comes up with an argument and like a perspective, you're like, oh, you really, you really researched that. You really spent time mm -hmm. on that. But that's one of the things that ultimately attracted me to him. Like, sure, I thought he was cute when we first met, but it was his mind that I was so fascinated by. And I was like, wow, he's so cultured and worldly and intelligent and, and thoughtful. And at the end of the first date, I wasn't sure I was going to marry this guy, but I was like, I just want to know more about how his brain works. And that is the thing that I feel like keeps me so interested in the relationship and still feeling like I am just as excited about him by him than I was when we first met because it's that curiosity that is never ending. So, and I can say like the other night in bed, I literally was like, can we talk about Israel? <laughs> <laughs> like literally like laying there in bed. He's like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> can we talk about Israel? Because I just, I want to save space that I right. can have these deeper conversations. And this is why like when people ask me, what what should, what should I say on a first date? What should I ask? And they're afraid to really ask deep questions or reveal themselves. I'm like, look, we, we want a partner that we can be our true selves and ask those things tough questions to have those conversations with. Totally. I'm so about asking the deep and even more uncomfortable questions on the first couple dates. Yeah. Like even like last night, not to bring it up again, but like we were getting deep with our bartender, just like in a friendly conversation. And like, I know that he doesn't want to have kids. Like, you know, why should I know that about someone? But you can't ask that on a date. Like, why is there any difference? I 100% agree with you. We should be asking those questions and we should first have clarity also on how we feel. Like good for your bartender that they knew <laughs> what they wanted, right? Because so many times people will come to me and I'll I'll say, well, what are you looking for? And they'll tell me one of two things. They'll say, I'll know it when I see it, which I'm like, honey, have you seen it yet? <laughs> <laughs> or they'll give me a list a mile long. And the weird thing is that the list is like the same list, isn't it? Like you mean like as everyone list. else or yeah. mm -hmm. as everyone else going to be six feet tall. He's yeah. going to make this much money and he's driving a list car of and delusion. <laughs> and it, it's also like what that's not even interesting to me. What is the fact that he's six feet tall tell you about the kind of person that he is? By the way, that's only 14 and a half percent of the U.S. male population. And then you subtract everyone who's already married, everyone who is not in your area, everyone who's not your age. Now we got four guys. <laughs> Literally. You're looking for four guys. Good luck and to you. And like probably I don't want to, you know, obviously this isn't true, but like how do you know that the taller the guy not like 
the more of an asshole he is, perhaps. You don't know. You know? You don't know. You don't know. And it doesn't say anything about his character. No. I'm so much more interested in how does he treat you? How mm-hmm. do you feel when you're with him? What does he inspire you to do? What does totally. he, you know, what does he There's, show you about yourself? Yeah. I mean, also, like, not to be shallow, but there are other things that you might not know about him. Like, maybe he's really sensual in the bedroom. Like, you know That's what I mean? Right. Like, why, like <laughs> why cross someone off? I was just seeing, I just saw this crazy movie. <sighs> what is it called? It's with, it's with that guy, Jacob Elordi. Oh my gosh, I have what no idea. What is it called? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Um, <laughs> it's about this place in, in England and it's with this guy who's so handsome. His name is Jacob Elordi. He's like 6'5". And it's also with... 4% of the population. Other, exactly. <laughs> probably less. No, actually it's one. It's 1%. For, for over 6'4". Four. Four. Okay. Yeah. And um, <laughs> all these weird And the other in guy <laughs> in the movie is like 5'8". And... They end up doing like a n- nude scene at the end, and the guy who's five eight has like a he- like he's just like proper stacked. Yeah, <laughs> he is stacked, and it's just my point being, you just you really cannot like be judging by really dumb, really dumb stuff on a list. Mm-mm. No, and it doesn't add up to compatibility. Mm-hmm. Like he. Like you said, he can be six feet tall and a total jerk. Totally. And he and, you know, sometimes also the the guys that are really good at dating, it's sketchy. Not as. Shady. Yeah, it's not as sincere. Why are you so good? Why are you so good at dating? Yeah. This is not a game, mm-hmm. sir. We're going to play this really fun poll question game, which okay, I so definitely asked you last time. <laughs> These are just rapid fire. Okay. But oh, did we ever did we ever find what movie that was? I'm so curious. There's a couple on here. Um, he went that way. Saltburn. Saltburn. For oh. anyone wanting to see, um, I didn't see that. See hot naked men. Go see it. Um, <laughs> okay. Some questions. All right. Have you ever seen a relationship where one person masterminded it, like they knew what they wanted early on and deliberately or subtly made things happen and work? Yes or no? Yeah. I feel like I. I do that all the time with my clients. I feel Mm -hmm. like I did that myself. Same. Like when I was single, I created a dating plan for myself. I talk about it in F the Fairy Tale. It was called Operation DNG, which was short for Operation Date Nice Guys. Because my boss at the time was like, I don't like these guys that you're dating. I was going out all the time. I was just not meeting the right guys. So I was like, I need somebody nice. And like, I know that has different connotations now. But at the time, it just, it's what that meant to me. And that was my dating plan. I'm not saying everybody should have that dating plan. But my first thought when I met my husband, he walked in the door and he's like wearing his head to toe banana republic. I was like, <laughs> oh, he looks so nice. Yeah, that's a nice guy. And yeah, and he he's nice, but on a deeper level. So the answer to that is yes, because I really clear, I got very clear on what that meant to me. And I dated by the book, by my book, not by that book, but my own book. So you can make it happen. I love it. Yep. What do you think is the more important thing in a fulfilling relationship? A sense of camaraderie based on similarities between you two or a sense of empathy for the differences? Oh, empathy, 100%. Really? Well, I just think we need to bring more empathy back to Mm. dating in general. Mm -hmm. Because the camaraderie, I think you can find commonality for, you can find a commonality with anybody, but empathy is gold. 
Yeah. What do you think? You disagree? I, I was saying like my answer was the similarities just because I feel like if I had to choose between a partner who is similar to me and a partner who is different to me, and I don't mean like culturally or religious, I literally mean like personality and as a person that I can understand a little bit, right? Like I would choose similar just because it's easier for me to relate. But I think both obviously are important. Like the things that we are different about or like have like differ on, I, I'd want us to have empathy for those things with each other. Yeah. The other thing with the list myth is that when you are looking at what are the similarities and what are the differences, I think we get off track. If we're looking for shared values and yes. common goals for the future, that's mm -hmm. that. Yes, you absolutely need similarity. But if we're talking about interests and activities, there's science shows you only need like two yeah, common that, interests. That's very to be compatible. I totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah, values need to be similar. I think. Um, is it always a bad sign if the girl initiates texts and plans more than the guy, but he is very receptive when she does? Mm. Yes or no? I want to ask you, but. I, I'm, I'm type A, in case you can't tell, I'm a type A Sagittarius. So. But that's with someone that you're married to or dating. Like but if yeah. in the new stages, I think if she's initiating more of the plans, that's not great. Yeah. I, I just don't, well, you want somebody to be enthusiastic, mm -hmm. period. So mm -hmm. if you feel like you're dragging them every time and like they're slow texting and you just don't feel any enthusiasm, then yeah, you're you're chasing and you right. don't want to be in a position of chasing. Mm -hmm. But I also don't really believe in traditional gender roles of like, oh, you have to wait for him to make this move. And I'm really about like, let's take control of our dating destiny. So I always make the plans. I A lot of times I initiate the plans even mm -hmm. now. And that's that's my point is that people are the same. Like they're not going to change that much in right. a relationship. Mm -hmm. So if that was something that bothered me, if that's something that bothers them, then that is not your person. Because if I sat around and waited for my husband to make a plan, I would be <laughs> sitting at home a lot. Yeah. <laughs> is it dumb to assume guys that you're friends with aren't looking for more than friendship when they ask you to grab a drink or dinner? It's just, it's dumb to make any assumption. Mm. If you are, have you have a question and you don't have clarity, I think you should see clarity. But it's tricky when they're friends, right? Yeah. What do you think? I think you'd know if a guy friends into you. Mm -hmm. And it's innocent if a guy's like, let's grab dinner. Unless... Wait, was it dinner or drinks? I guess either. Do you think there's a difference? I think... No. I think you know if a guy's into you, if they're your friend. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We, we, we're split. Yeah, well, this, this is the point. You've been living with your boyfriend for almost six months and you pay mostly half of their mortgage. You've been accumulating more bills and it's starting to be too much. Do you continue to keep paying and ask for money when needed or should he pay his entire mortgage? This is tricky. It comes back to agreements like we were saying before. If the financial situation has changed, you always have the opportunity to go back to the table and say, hey, can we talk about this? This is how I'm feeling. And I always like to start start with your personal share. This is what I'm noticing. This is what I'm feeling. How do you feel about that? Instead of like, I'm paying too much and this this isn't working and demanding mm. as a different outcome. Try and make it a conversation. Yeah. I'm like, why are you paying his mortgage if you're not even engaged? But 
I guess that's technically like in place of splitting rent with someone. Yeah, if you're living there. Yeah. You're living there. But I'm like, but it's your mortgage, your problem, bro. If you want me to pay, give me a ring. Uh-huh. But actually, <laughs> I'm in agreement with you on that because I feel like now there's like certain rites of passage in a relationship and cohabitation is before marriage. Yeah. And, you know, I, I actually bought a house with my husband before before I had a ring, which my parents thought was bananas. It yeah. did not speak to me no. for the entire escrow period. But he proposed the, the night of closing because I knew it was happening. Yeah, it's different if you know. But we had a lot of conversations leading up to that point about what our expectations were. And the problem that I see with a lot of people cohabitating is that they don't have those tough conversations before. And then they get into this gray area where they're like, wait, I now I'm paying his mortgage and I don't feel comfortable with this and now it's affecting the relationship and just you need to start if you're going to move in or he's going to move in you need to have that conversation yeah it's like is this a step towards marriage or Mm -hmm. is this like you're trying to save half of your mortgage right exactly yeah you gotta know cheapskate um this has been so fun demona can you leave us with a quote or piece of advice maybe something from the book or just Mm. something off the top of your head Yeah, I would say just to remember that even though dating apps have their own challenges, that ultimately this is the best time ever in history to be single. You have so much choice. You have so much opportunity at your fingertips. And it's really on you as a dater to put put a framework in place that's not going to strip away your humanity and that is going to lead you to more meaningful human connections. There is a way to do it that there is a system. I know you give tons of advice on this as well every week, but listen to Lindsay's advice, listen to dates and mates, read F the fairy tale, and then actually follow it. Because that's the thing. Like a lot of times people will be like, oh, I heard you say that thing. But then I'm like, but if you're not doing it, you're not really you're not really listening you, well, to understand. Yeah, you're not listening to understand. <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay. You're a good listener that you brought that back. But if you're not putting it into practice, it doesn't work. You know, people will tell me, oh, I've been online dating on and off for years, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like if you were on for two weeks and then you took the app off your phone or you didn't actually go on any dates, like you weren't actually online dating. You were online looking window shopping. Yeah. So make that your 2024 goal if that is what you want. But also if it's if a relationship is not ultimately what you want or like your waiter, like if you don't want to have kids or you have clarity on any of this, let it be okay to be in that season of your life too. I love it. Where can everyone find you, follow you and read F the fairy tale? You can find me on Instagram at Damona Hoffman and you can get F the fairy tale wherever you buy your books or go to F the fairy tale book.com. Cool. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you so much, Lindsay. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.